Well, good morning and uh, welcome to you all on this uh, Mothering Sunday. It's good, to, it's good to have you with us and uh, good to have you on Zoom. Although if you're uh, suffering with COVID, we pray uh, for God's recovery and healing uh, for you. Um, seems to be uh, doing the rounds again. So we pray God's blessing and uh, healing uh, on you. Uh, Tony is running from, from the uh, PA to give us uh, a notice about the Bible course, which is starting the Easter. Here he comes. Thank you. Right, before I speak, I'm going to ask Mark if he'll play the video for you as an intro. Thank you, Mark. The Bible course is an accessible way for anyone to explore the world's bestseller. Because the Bible is a big book, it can be hard to know where to start. So the Bible course gives the big picture, showing how all of the events, books and characters fit together to form one incredible story. Whether you are new to the Christian faith or just want to find out more, the Bible course is for you. Filmed on location and in a purpose-built studio, the Bible course consists of eight interactive sessions through the whole Bible story, from the first book, Genesis, to the last book, Revelation. Each session combines video teaching, group discussion, personal reflection, and daily readings. Bring God's Word to life by running the Bible course in your setting. Right, well, we're going to be running the Bible course, or it's subtitled The Big Story, because uh, the Bible is a big story, and we're going to be running it in our setting. But our setting is home groups. So after Easter, for eight weeks, uh, we'll be going to be doing the Bible course or the big story. Uh, if you're in a home group already, then you're already enrolled. So well done. If you're not, and you'd like to know how the Bible fits together, then this is an opportunity for you to do that. Uh, so all we're asking is that you join a home group for this eight weeks. And if you love being at a home group, you can stay forever. It's entirely up to you. Uh, as part of um, the big story, you will get uh, this book, um, which has details of every session, which has details of the readings in between each of the sessions. Um, and they'll be given out in the home groups. So if you're not in one, then we have home groups on a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday afternoon here in the church. So if you're able to come in the afternoon, if not, then we have Wednesday evening and we have Thursday evening. We have a number of groups on a Thursday evening, but one of those groups will be meeting here at the church. So hopefully we, we can cover everybody that wants to do it. I've done it. It's a brilliant course. I learned quite a bit in, uh, uh, by doing it. So it is worth doing. And I would encourage you, if you can, to come. Each session, because um, there's two parts of the video, is about an hour and five minutes. And then we add some worship to that. And then we add some prayer to that. Um, so most home groups are about an hour and a half. So if you are able to commit an hour and a half to learn more about the big story, then this is for you and I would encourage you to come. So if you want to know more information, then either talk to me or talk to Jude. I'm looking to see if Jude is here. You can't see her. 
So I was going to ask her to wave, but if not, then come and see me and I'll tell you who, which groups are operating on which night and which afternoon and who the leader is to talk to. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Tony. I mean, obviously, the groups that are meeting down here uh, are in the lounge, so there is more than enough space for you to join those groups um, because they're in the church lounge, so it's not like we're in somebody's... Uh, living room. Yeah, there's plenty of space in there as well. Um, you have, okay. Um, so most of you will know, but next week we have an all age Easter story service. Mm. And it's going to be interactive. Everyone is going to be involved, young and old. And we would love you to come along, bring your friends, bring your school friends, bring your parents, brothers, sisters, everyone, because we're going to have a party and it's going to be really good fun. We're going to tell the story of Easter from through Holy Week um, and have all the young people, children involved and all the adults involved as well. So please make it a priority to come next week and invite friends and family and um, we'll have a really good time. Thank you. Amen. Thanks, Mark. Great stuff. Okay. I'm going to read uh, some words from Psalm 145. We're going to be uh, focusing uh, this morning on Jesus as King. And uh, so I'm this Psalm is all about uh, God the King. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. Let's pray. King Jesus, we bow before you this morning and declare that you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We're delighted to be here. We're delighted, Father, to be able to draw near to your presence because Jesus has made it possible to, and has provided a new and living way. So we ask, Lord Jesus, that as we draw near to you in worship, so we ask that by your spirit, you would draw near to us. Holy Spirit, we say that you are welcome here. Move in power amongst us. Have your way in us, with us, and through us. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together to worship King Jesus.
Jesus the King, Majesty, worship His Majesty, Jesus who died, now glorified, King of all kings. Please be seated. Let's continue to worship His Majesty, King Jesus. Maybe, maybe you just want to speak out a, a, a prayer of praise, adoration, thanksgiving. You can do that on Zoom by unmuting yourself. Um, please stick your hand in the air if you're in here and Janine will, will come with the microphone to you. Maybe you've got a song or something you want to share. Let's, uh, let's be open to the work of the Spirit as we share this morning. Lord, I just lift up those, just lift up those that are unwell at the moment with COVID or whatever, anything else. Lord, I just pray that each and every person would know your love, would know just you, being with them, Lord Jesus, by their side, walking, walking through, carrying them through. Father, I just ask for your hand upon each person, Lord, to bring healing and your peace. Yeah. Amen. Jesus, yeah. Mm. Jesus it always was about the Father's will. Mm. And we were made to serve you. Amen. You look after us, we try to be obedient. And there's no doubt about it in this Ukrainian business that's going on. You will have your way and you will come and you will win. Amen. We praise you for your magnificent works, past and present. Yes. And your majesty will go on forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Bless you. Bless you, Lord.
Amen. Uh, we got an all-age talk um, from Mark. Thank you. Hi, everyone. So, today is Mother's Day, isn't it? And for me, it's a very special Mother's Day because my parents live in France and they're over at the moment. So the whole family is going to get together to celebrate Mother's Day. My kids and their partners, my sister, her family, all her kids and their partners. It's going to be great. There's going to be about 20 of us. So it's going to be quite some party. But Mother's Day, what's it all about, really? Well, as I was thinking about this, I started to think about all the things that my mum did for me when I was growing up. Then I started thinking about all the things Carol, my wife, did for our kids as they were growing up. All sorts of different things. Washing, cleaning, cooking, giving them lifts all over the place, to ballet, to sports. And then I started thinking about the sorts of things we'd say to them. And I can remember that Carol said the same things that my mum said. It was really funny. It made me laugh. So I found this song on the internet, and then I laughed some more. You see, this is called The Mum Song. And this lady's looked at all the things a mum says during the course of a day from the very morning to, to to night and she's written them all down and put them together as a song and it only lasts two minutes and 50 seconds so it's kind of a whistle stop tour and you need to hold on to your hats as we watch it now Get up now, get up out of bed, wash your face, brush your teeth, comb your sleepy head, here's your clothes and your shoes, hear the words I said, get up now, get up and make your bed, are you hot, are you cold, are you wearing that, where's your books and your lunch and your homework at, grab your coat and your gloves and your scarf and hat, don't forget, you gotta feed the cat, eat your breakfast, the experts tell us it's the most important meal of all, take your vitamins so you will grow up one day to be big and tall, because remember the orthodontist will be seeing you at three today, don't forget your piano lesson is this afternoon, so you must play, don't shovel, choose slowly, but hurry, the bus is here, be careful, come back did you wash behind your ears? Play outside, don't play rough. Would you just play fair? Be polite, make a friend. Don't forget to share. Work it out. Wait your turn. Never take a dare. Get along. Don't make me come down there. Clean your room. Fold your clothes. Put your stuff away. Make your bed. Do it now. Do we have all day? Were you born in a barn? Would you like some? Hey, can you even hear a word I say? Get off the phone. Don't sit so close. Turn it down. No texting at the table. I gave you so willingly, but right now I thank you not to roll your eyes at me. Close your mouth when you chew, we'd appreciate. Take a bite, maybe two of the stuff you hate. Use your fork, do not burp, or I'll set you straight. Eat the food I put up on your plate. Get an A, get the door, don't get smart with me. Get a grip, get in here on count two, three. Get a job, get a life, get a PhD, get a dose. story straight and tell the truth for once for heaven's sake and if all your friends jumped off a cliff would you jump too if i've said it once i've said at least 
sing that fast do you so mums they do do a lot don't they but if you listen to that song it sounds like they're just nagging us all the time telling us what to do all the time it sounds like they're trying to control our lives doesn't it but you see that's not the whole truth is it because there's lots more things mums do isn't there there's the cuddles and the hugs being there for us when we're upset, picking us up when we fall down. You see, I don't think mums really want to nag us all the time. I don't think mums really want to tell us off all the time. I don't think they enjoy it, but they do it because they care about us. They do it because they love us and they want to keep us safe. They want the best for us. And so, what should our response be to our mothers? Well, the Bible says that we should love and honour our mothers too. And if we did that just a little bit more and just a little bit better, maybe there would not be so much nagging and telling off. Maybe it wouldn't feel like the rules are there to stop us from enjoying ourselves, but to keep us safe as we enjoy ourselves. And do you know what? As I considered this, it struck me that this is very similar to how our Father in heaven loves us. Now, I've often heard it said that the Bible is just a big rule book that stops us from having fun and that God is a bit of a spoil sport. But that's not the case because God loves us. He loves us more than we can ever understand or imagine. And because he loves us, he wants to protect us. The rules are not there to stop us enjoying life, but to keep us safe as we enjoy the life that he has given us. He loves us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to earth to be punished for all the things that we do wrong, all the times that we break the rules. And so, if we should honour our human mothers because they love us and for all the amazing things that they do for us, how much more should we also Honour our Father in heaven, who has given everything so that we can have life everlasting with him in heaven.
Thank you, Mark. That was really, really great. Thank you for all the, the time that you put into that. It's brilliant. Thank you. Um, the children are going to leave us, but they're going to uh, come back in the last uh, song later on because they're going to give out some, uh, some gifts to the ladies. But uh, for now, they're going to they're leave us. Um, let me pray for you guys as you go. Um, Lord, I, I pray for uh, the children and their leaders. Lord, we, we thank you for Children's Church, Lord, which is really just a part of the family that we're part of. But Lord, they're, they're going off to, to learn and worship you in a different part of the building to us. But Lord, I pray that you bless them, bless their time together, bless their leaders. And Lord, may it be a good time of learning and growing together in Jesus' name. Amen. We've got a lot of um, videos this morning, but this uh, this short video seemed really pertinent um, this morning. Um, we were sent this through from the BMS, that's the Baptist Missionary Society, and it's the story of of a, of a mother uh, from Ukraine traveling with her children across the border into into Poland, and uh, I wanted to show this because it just on on mother on Mothering Sunday. We, we obviously want to be praying for uh, mothers and families, particularly in Ukraine, um, both those who are left and those who have fled across the border for God's protection and safety on, on all of them today. So after we've seen um, this video, I'm, I'm gonna, um, we're going to have a time of open prayer where I would ask you, as the Spirit leads you, please do lead us in praying for mums and children and families in Ukraine, wherever they are today. So let's watch this. We saw many explosions through the windows of our apartment. For 48 hours, me and my daughter were lying on the floor, waiting for death. So, um, if you don't mind, what is your name? And where are you from? Why are you here? We are from the epicenter of war. We had many explosions. I live in a district of Kyiv, close to Borispol Airport. We saw many explosions through the windows of our apartment. For 48 hours, me and my daughter were lying on the floor, waiting for death. We heard loud noises. In the last moment, we decided to pack quickly the things we needed the most and just flee the city. The war started on the 24th February, and 48 hours later, we left Kyiv. We went to Ternopil and slept in a car. Everything was booked. After a few hours, we went to the border with Poland. As soon as we arrived, there was a 30-mile queue of cars in front of us. We got into a bus, which took us a bit closer to the border. Those who had no tickets had to walk. 
Tetiana and her daughter had to walk for a further 12 miles to reach the Polish border. And when they got to the border crossing, they had to wait for another 11 hours in the cold. It wasn't until 2 a.m. that they finally crossed to safety in Poland. And for every person like Tetiana who's safe and receiving support, there are thousands of others who need your help. Please, will you give now to provide Ukrainian refugees with the essential items that they need to stay safe and well? All across Europe, Baptist churches are welcoming people fleeing the horror of war, and you can help them to open the doors to safety by giving today. We have no clue for how long this war will last. People wrote to us in a group chat to say that our district has been targeted by landmines. People can't leave buildings. And now we're in this critical situation, but it's not critical for us only, but also for the rest of the world. Some volunteers helped us to find a place to stay here at the Baptist Seminary in Warsaw. We have been here for three days now. We're trying to calm down and think about the future. The Polish people are really good to us. They provide everything we need, but they're running out of space. That's why we ask the whole world to help. Our people are strong, but they need help from the outside. A gift of 11, 30 or 99 pounds can buy essential toiletries, food, shelter and bedding for someone like Tatiana or her daughter. We have a box on reception labelled Ukraine Appeal. Um, if you want to put um, monetary gifts in there, you can do so today, or we'll keep that box there for the weeks to come. If you want to give online, go on the Baptist uh, Mission Society BMS website, and you can give directly online there. What I'd like to do now, though, is to pray. Uh, Janine will come to you with the microphone so that those on uh, Zoom can hear. If you're on Zoom and you'd like to pray, please unmute yourself and uh, pray. But let's, let's have a, a time of open prayer where we remember these families who are either still in Ukraine or are fleeing across the border. Let's pray as the Holy Spirit leads you. Please lead us. Dear Lord, even in unimaginable pain on the cross, your thoughts were only then to help and protect your mother. Mm. You commissioned uh, John mm. to help and protect uh, yeah. your mother Mary. Uh, we, we can't commission you that I know of, Lord, but we can only ask you mm. to protect and bless these mothers as they look after their young. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Lord, I just, I just thank you that 
So many people around the world just opening up their, their arms, their hearts, their homes, Lord. I just pray, Father, that that it might come come easier, Lord Jesus, not harder for for people to for people to come over to this country, Lord. And mm. I just pray that these the bureaucracy, the the forms, the all the technical side of things, Father, Lord, let it not be so difficult. Let it not be so yeah. difficult. And checks need to be made i totally get that lord but just really pray that people would soon be able to come over to this country lord that we can just embrace and welcome these these people lord your your children lord with open arms yes lord. amen amen yes lord father god these circumstances are absolutely unimaginable mm the pain and the suffering that these people are going through. We lift them to you, Lord. We lift the mothers, the children, those men who have had to stay behind and fight, those who have to remain in their homes, but can't flee. Father, we pray for a miracle, mm. a miracle of your mighty hand to reach out to this nation, yes. to bless them, to show them your love. Yeah. We ask this in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord, please. Yes, Lord. Let's pray for the offering. Lord, we pray for the offering that's already been collected in for the BMS Ukraine appeal. And we pray for, Lord, for that money today and in the coming weeks that will be collected in. Father, I pray for the BMS and other agencies working on the ground in Poland, in Ukraine, and in the countries surrounding Ukraine working with refugees. Lord, we pray that these gifts would make a real difference on the ground to people's lives. Lord, we pray that there would be a generosity of giving, but Lord, not just of, of money, but Lord, also in terms of resources. And Lord, we pray for many homes in this nation to be opened up to, to refugees, that we'd be able to show the, the love of God to these, uh, to these people. And so, Lord, we pray for the offering in the plate today. We pray, Jesus, that you would bless it and multiply it for the glory and extension of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so the reading uh, today is uh, from John uh, chapter 19 and verses 16 to 27. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, 
they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're on hallowed ground here at the foot of the cross with the beloved disciple John and the women. Lord, we pray, Jesus, that your love would speak to us from the cross this morning. Lord, open our hearts, our ears, our eyes to see and understand more of what it meant for you to go to the cross and what it meant for you to love even from the cross. And so, Jesus, may we follow in your example and respond in love for you and others this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure, like me, you've cried out, uh, why, Lord, or how much longer, Lord, when you've seen uh, the news reports and you've watched videos like that of the suffering of real people in Ukraine, people buried under rubble, pregnant women and children being needlessly killed, or hearing of reports of hundreds of Ukrainians being forcibly taken away into Russia. It's harrowing, it's difficult. And I found myself just repeating the phrase, Lord, have mercy, as I've watched the news. Somehow, Mothering Sunday seems to just compound this sense of suffering, doesn't it? As wives and husbands and parents and children are separated by this war. How does the cross speak into the horror brokenness, fallenness, suffering of this world. It would be trite of me to try and deal with this problem of evil this morning. And uh, who can? But let me at least give you some reflections as one like you who stands at the foot of the cross and finds it difficult to watch what's going on in the Ukraine. We know, don't we, that God the Father knows what it is to suffer the loss of a child. His own son hung there on the cross, naked, in excruciating agony, while his mother looked on. So we know that Christ is able to, to empathize with suffering people because he endured the horror of the cross, not just the physical pain, but the pain of being separated from his father, the shame and ignominy of being crucified naked on a public highway 
as people shook their heads, spat on him, beat him, and abused him. We do know that death, injustice, violence, pain are not the end of the story. We know this because the other side of darkness and pain and evil of the cross is resurrection. And we know that the other side of resurrection comes the return of Jesus to the earth and the renewal of the heavens and the earth when Jesus will bring an end to all suffering, all pain, all death, all violence in a new heaven and a new earth. But for now, while we wait for the fullness of the kingdom, we are called to weep with those who weep. We know that Christ weeps with those who weep because of his experience on the cross. John's account of the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus is full of irony. Jesus is mocked by the Roman soldiers as the king of the Jews. Listen to John 19, 2 and 3. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. The irony that John would have us see this side of the cross is that the Jesus that they are mocking really is God's chosen king. And so as the soldiers mockingly shout, Hail, King of the Jews! This really is the king, not just of the Jews, but the king of the whole world. But the king who conquers through sacrifice and suffering on the cross. You and I know that God is still mocked today. Um, I find Richard Dawkins difficult to read, but I find that I need to read atheists and secularists because it strengthens my faith, strangely. So forgive me for quoting from Richard Dawkins this morning. Um, I've not become a heretic, I'm quoting Dawkins. He says this, what makes my jaw drop is that people today should base their lives on such an appalling role model as Yahweh. That's God, by the way. And even worse, that they should bossily try to force the same evil monster, whether fact or fiction, on the rest of us. God is still mocked today. Whether it's comedians like Ricky Gervais, or scientists like Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens, God is mocked today. And Dawkins goes on to say that this evil monster, God the Father, punishes his innocent son in a kind of child abuse kind of way. I don't read this out lightly. I'm just showing you what the world thinks of the cross, all right? But you see, just like the Roman soldiers before him, Dawkins misses the irony of the situation. You see, God allows himself in the person of his son to be mocked, spat on, abused in the person of Jesus. God is not the monster. God is the one receiving the monster-like abuse of human beings. 
Because God in Christ was the one who was hit in the face, spat on, mocked, abused, and cruelly nailed to a cross. The monster is not God, because God in Christ suffered. God the Father suffered with the Son. We know that this is true, don't we? Um, if you're a parent or a grandparent, or you have a very, very good friend, you know that when a good friend or a child or a grandchild suffers, you suffer with them, right? In fact, sometimes we say, don't we, I wish I could take the suffering from you. Anybody ever said that? And that's God the Father with the Son, isn't it? It was not punishing an innocent party. God the Father and the Son are so intimately linked that when the son suffers, the father suffers. Dawkins, the Roman soldiers, miss the irony that the one who is suffering and hanging there in excruciating pain on the cross is the one that loves the world and gives himself to the world. You see, the very violence of the cross speaks to our rejection of God. It's our rejection of God that is the monster here. That's the monster that's created death and evil and injustice and suffering and violence and pain. And into that suffering world, God sends his only son because he loves the world. The truth of this passage is that Jesus really is God's chosen king who conquers, but the one who conquers through suffering and death. I want to look at four ways that this passage teaches us this truth this morning. First, Jesus is a hidden king. On the surface, Jesus does not look like a king, does he? Kings don't reign from a, from a throne that involves being nailed to a cross with a crown of thorns. That's not where you see kings normally. And so the Roman soldiers mock him, hail king of the Jews. They could not see that God's chosen king could be executed in such an ignominious way, such a horrific, humiliating way. But this is exactly John's point. People mock Christianity because they cannot and will not see that this Christ on the cross is God's king who suffers and dies precisely so that the world can be reconciled with God. Precisely so that we can experience reconciliation with God. You see, the passage is saying that only God through the Holy Spirit can open someone's eyes and ears and heart to see Jesus the king. That's what this passage is saying. The soldiers saw a weakling, a pretender to the, to the king of the Jews, hanging there, dying. Who do you see on the cross? Do you see a weakling suffering? Or do you see the king of kings, the Lord of lords, who suffered in your place to reconcile you to God? I don't know about you, but I ask the question that you do, I'm sure. Where is God 
in all this suffering and pain and injustice. I challenge anybody to not ask that question. We all wrestle, don't we, with doubt. We all ask, Lord, how long must this go on? Where are you, Lord? And God's ways appear hidden from us. But you know, as a Christian, there are times when taking up our cross and following Christ means to believe, not because of, but in spite of evidence to the contrary. You see, all the evidence that Jesus is king was to the contrary as he hung there in pain on the cross, wasn't it? As the Roman soldiers and people looked on, who would have said, this is the king of, of this is God's promised king, the chosen Messiah, the one who will renew the whole creation. Who was saying that? And yet this was God's sovereign plan to redeem humanity and the whole of creation. But his ways are not our ways. His ways are hidden to us, hidden from us. The foolishness of God is greater than our wisdom. That's what Paul says. There will be moments when life circumstances contradict our claim that Jesus is sovereign and the king. Right? You'll look at the news, you'll experience things in your own life, and you'll wonder, is Jesus still on the cross? So is Jesus still king? I want to say, that's not, that's not a lack of faith. That's real, authentic wrestling. That's real faith. But you need to know that God's ways are hidden, but Jesus is still sovereign. The cross speaks powerfully into that reality. I don't want to give you some triumphalist spiel about Christianity just being about walking in victory. That is not how we experience it very often. There is real suffering. There is, there is a taking up our cross and trusting and believing in the face of doubt and struggle and wrestling, right? Number two, Jesus is a universal king. The notice Pilate prepared and fastened to the cross read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. The sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. The irony is that Pilate did this deliberately to mock the Jews. Pilate is saying to the Jews here, look, look at your wretched, helpless, weak king who claims that he's the king of the Jews. Look at him, how weak he is compared to the might and power of Caesar. I don't know, sometimes as Christians, we feel pretty helpless, don't we, in the face of the might and power of dictators like Putin. We feel, what can we do? And yet, God's hidden plan is at work. God is a universal king whose reign and kingdom extends across all the nations. And by nailing that notice to the cross in three different languages, the irony that John would have, have, not us, have, have us miss is this. Every civilized nation, Latin, um, Hebrew-speaking, Greek-speaking nation of, the, of that time, would have read the King of the Jews. 
And this word, of course, has gone out to the whole world in the scripture. And so the whole world has come to believe over 2.7 billion people in the world now believe that Jesus is the King of the Jews. That that notice, do you see the irony? Jesus is King. 2.7 billion people around the world believe that today because Jesus went to the cross. If you like, God used Pilate to broadcast the truth. F.F. Uh, Bruce in his commentary. I love what F.F. F. Bruce says here. He says, the crucified one is the true king, the kingliest king of all, because it is he who is stretched out on the cross. He turns an obscene instrument of torture into a throne of glory and reigns from the tree. Absolutely. And one day when Jesus returns, all kings and rulers and everyone, every person on the earth will have to bow the knee and acknowledge that he is the Lord. Philippians 2 verse 9. Uh, Philippians, can we go back one, Mark? Thanks. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow when he comes again in glory. That's a prophecy. That will come true. Third, Jesus is a king who fulfills prophecy. On the surface, it looks as though the Roman soldiers are in control of the situation, doesn't it? There they are casting lots for his clothing. Who's going to get it? And yet... This little detail is incredible in John's gospel because John records that the seamless garment isn't torn and that was prophesied about by King David 1100 years before. That ain't coincidence, is it? How could King David prophesy that they would cast lots for the garments of God's Messiah as they crucified him? And yet that's exactly what John claims here. Verses 23 and 24. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled. Psalm 22, verse 18. They divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. If you've ever read Psalm 22, there are over 30 references in Psalm 22 alone that are fulfillments of Old Testament prophecy that come true on the cross including Jesus' words from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David wrote those words 1,100 years before Christ spoke them on the cross. There is nothing happening in the world today that is outside God's sovereign plan. The cross, horrible though it was, was God's sovereign plan to save the world. When God makes a prophecy, he always brings it to fulfillment. And here's, a, here's one of my favorite prophecies in the whole of scripture. Jesus is coming again to bring this broken, suffering, unjust, evil, dark world. He's going to renew it. Revelation 21. On the dark days when I'm wrestling and I'm struggling with the world, this is often a text I'll go to. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. 
I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be with his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. There is hope because God's word tells us the suffering in Ukraine will one day be brought to an end when God returns and renews the heaven and the earth. Our grief for loved ones will one day be brought to an end when we're reunited with them in a new heaven and a new earth. One day I won't have to look at the television and say, have mercy, Lord, as I find it difficult to watch the pictures of suffering because I will be in the presence of God in a new heaven and a new earth. Fourth and lastly, Jesus is a king who adopts us into his family. Even in the excruciating agony of the cross, Jesus is looking to his mother and to the disciple whom he loved called John and looking out for their needs. These are incredible verses. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. You know, when somebody was crucified, it was difficult for them to breathe, let alone utter words. And yet Jesus says, here is your son to John, to Mary. And to, and to Mary, here is your son. And to John, here is your mother. Jesus is not asking John to adopt Mary as his mother. He's commissioning him. Steve prayed that earlier. Spot on, Steve. Well done. 10 out of 10. Jesus is not asking. He's commissioning. Because the Son of God has the divine right and authority to command his own mother, right? This is no earthly son. This is the Son of God who has authority even over his own mother, which is why he calls her dear woman. Don't try this. <laughs> uh, please don't try it. You probably may not go too well. Um, do you remember at the wedding when uh, Mary, they run out of wine, hadn't they? At the wedding in John 2. And uh, Mary goes up to Jesus and says, look, you need to do something about this. And he says, woman, not yet. My time has not yet come. So if you're, don't tell this to your children and grandchildren because they might try it out on you when you say you need to tidy your room. And they, and they say to you, I'm quoting the Lord here. Woman, my time has not yet come. Do not try that at home. Don't share that one with your children and grandchildren. I, I just needed to inject a little bit of light relief. It's all very, getting very intense, isn't it? This is an intense passage, though, isn't it? Joseph is nowhere mentioned here. Every scholar on the New Testament agrees that Mary is a widow, right? Jesus is looking out for his own mother here. And he's also looking out for John, his disciple. 
Jesus is forming the church here, right? He's creating a new community of the church. As Mary adopts John and John adopts Mary as his mother, Jesus is saying, look, discipleship needs to be worked out, first of all, in the family, right? You've got to work it out in your own family first. You've got to love those closest to you, your friends, your family, relationships. But he's also saying you've got to love others in the church. Which is why we're going to sing a Kendrick song in a minute about loving one another, right? You see, the church is a family, isn't it? Some don't believe me. <laughs> I'm going to prove it to you. John 1, 12 and 13. You are adopted children. If you're a Christian and the Holy Spirit has come to live in you, you are a son and daughter of Jesus the King. The people sat in this room are your brothers and sisters. We are all adopted into God's family. You are family. We are family, as Sister Sledge used to sing, right? 70s classic. Still doing the rounds. Here it is. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. If you've been born again of the spirit by believing in Jesus, you have a new family and they're sat right next to you. Right? Brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Katie, for that illustration. She's just lent in a loving way on, uh, <laughs> on Vicky. That's lovely. Thank you. On this Mothering Sunday, Jesus' example from the cross of love for his mother and his disciples is a model for us to follow, right? James 1, verse 27. Listen, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. There it is, the biblical mandate, love and care, especially for widows and orphans in the Ukraine, but also in the church. Those, not just widows, those who've never married. We have a duty to love them, to care for them, to express compassion, practical love and concern, right? Are you with me? Hallelujah. Um, Jesus cares for his mother personally. I love that. Again, Steve picked up on this in his prayer. Jesus cares for individual mothers. I'm just going to finish with a personal story, if I may. Indulge me, please. As I was preparing uh, this sermon, I had a, a, a messenger update from my, uh, I, I suppose, step-cousin is, is the best description I can give. Um, my uncle married a Ukrainian, and one of the daughters, Oksana, came to live in Croydon in London uh, a few years ago. And she keeps me updated about what's happening back in Ukraine, in the north, where they are, with her, her sister and the rest of her family. Well, she told me this week that her sister, um, Lena, and her two children, Maria and Matty, have fled Ukraine, and they're currently in Warsaw, Poland, trying to get a visa. So that video really hit me this week. So I thought, you know, I've kind of got family in Warsaw waiting for a visa. And 
This, 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 a few weeks ago, Oksana, this is where it gets really odd and, and sad. Oksana messaged me to ask for prayer from the church here, and I shared this on a Monday morning prayer meeting. And she said that two of her cousins are fighting against each other in the war. Now, the reason for that is that one of her cousins moved across the border a number of years ago to Russia and was forced, conscripted into the Russian army and is being forced to fight against their, their family in Ukraine. I mean, I was just stunned. And Oksana tells me that she's deeply concerned for the, for the men, Lena's husband, who's still back in the Ukraine fighting. And as I was preparing this message, I felt God say, look at the text. Jesus understands the suffering and pain of families being split apart. He hung and suffered and died in front of his own mother. He felt the pain and separation from his father as he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he took our sin upon himself and was separated from the purity and holiness of his own father. You see, Jesus weeps with those who weep. Jesus sympathizes with us in our weakness. Jesus weeps with those Ukrainian mothers and families. And you know, Jesus calls us in the church to do the same, to love and care and support one another. We say, well, you may say, I haven't got the love of Jesus. But there's a text. I said that, actually, when I was preparing the sermon, I said to the Lord, I don't think I've got enough love for this, you know? And I felt God speak this text to me, Romans 5, and it says this. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit do you hear that and he whom he has given us if you don't have enough love this morning ask the Holy Spirit let's pray Lord we thank you for this passage we thank you, Lord, that you have shown us your love by sending your only son to die for us. And Lord, when we feel we're struggling with the evil and suffering and pain of this world, Lord, we ask this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would pour out your love into our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Help us to love one another in the church and in the community and in the world. Lord, not in our own strength, but through the power of your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, pour out God's love into our hearts today afresh, that we might love as Jesus has loved us. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you.
Ephesians might know more of the love of God. So I'm going to pray these words of Paul over us as a prayer that we might know more of the love of God in us. Ephesians 3 verse 17, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> 